Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. So we've touched on divination in a couple of different um, episodes. Um, And we'd like to talk about it a little bit more in depth about how we use it for ourselves and how we use it for others and just kind of the differences in experience with those things. Um, But up front we wanted to just say that divination at its core is communication between you and the spirits. Right. Typically using a shared symbol set of some sort. Um, whether that symbol set is open or closed uh, is, is one thing, but um, open meaning it doesn't have a set set of symbols. Closed meaning it has a specific set of symbols. So like a set of runes is closed because you know what all the symbols are. So tarot deck is closed you know what all the symbols right. are. Right. But, like, crystal balls or fire scrying is, is open. You don't necessarily have set symbols with set meanings. Right. One of the things about divination that I think is usually worth mentioning is it's not fortune-telling. Right. Um, Isaac Bonowitz once wrote, I believe, in Real Magic, um, that all divination is concerned with the past, uh, which I think is a, an astute observation because... What divination really does is, at least for me, is it tells you about what has happened already and how that impacts the present and how it might impact the future. Yeah, I, th- I would agree with that. So it, what, it, what it really does is it tells you about your situation and it gives you pointers based on all of the available information that it can gather. Right. And I'm speaking about it as if divination is a thing. But what I really mean to place there is whatever spirit or power or entity you happen to be connecting with, um, or energy, that yeah. it, it, the mechanism or the, the thing behind it matters a lot less than what that thing is doing, I think, in this case. Yeah. And so a lot of the, when we talk about divination, it could, it could apply to any theory of divination that you want, um, I think. But that's, that is the kind of the core of what I think that divination does which you think as well um, is that it looks back toward what's happened right, and then extrapolates possibilities about the future and about the way that the world works yeah I would, I would agree with that um, so why don't we talk about how it works for us like personally first um, I use divination most often in my personal work when I'm building a new relationship or trying out something new um, one of the biggest things is if, I like, if I'm working with a new spirit and I want to know what they like 
I will make offerings and take divination, but the purpose of the divination is, hey, was that a good gift? Like, I don't know, was it? Um, And so, like, that's one of the big things I use it for in my personal work, as well as um, whether or not magic I've done is likely to have worked, or what magic I should do to help me achieve the, the goals that I want. Um, I, I do a lot of that as well. When it comes, the main use that I have for divination is in, in ritual and in magic to make sure that I have the correct solution in mind, mm-hmm. and I have the correct pathway to get there. Right. So when when I ask, I mean, when we ask in ritual, have our offerings been accepted? It's looking at what we've just done. Yeah. What did we just do? Yep. And then when we say, what further needs do the gods have of us? We look kind of to the future to extrapolate what we're what we're doing there. Same thing with magic. Um, we might say, "What does the situation look like? What is the likely path to take? And what are the outcomes if we take these paths?" And so you use that in your personal work. I that do. Is what you're doing. I use one of the other things with magic is I use it as kind of a. Um, it's part of my ethical check system. Yeah. When I'm going through, like, I'll, you know, I'll think about what my personal code of ethics is when I'm going to do some sort of magical work. Um, and if it checks out against my my, ethic, my ethical code, then my next step is to do divination. Like, is this actually the right thing to be doing? Um, and if they don't both come up yes, then I, I shouldn't do it. Um, and so I use it as one of the checks for that. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent use for it. Um, because what divination helps us do is sort of set ourselves outside of the equation mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, yes, it's entirely possible to have personal biases that influence your divination. Um, and yes, it can be hard to identify those in some cases. I'll identify divination can help you identify those too. But that's a, that's a whole circular loop we don't need to talk yeah. about right now. But um, it, it gives you another chance to look at your, your actions and your desires and what you intend to do and rethink it. And I think that's often an important step is saying, well, I need to, I need to stop. I need to think. I need to make sure this is what I really need to do. Right. And it's interesting because when you think about people who want divination done for them, it's a lot of times really personal things. I mean, I, I would say by by far the most popular question is something to do with relationships. Oh, yeah. Um, and even though I consider myself a very skilled seer, I don't do readings for myself in that same way. Right. Um, I... I do not think, A, for one thing, that I can distance myself enough to get an accurate reading. Um, I, I don't think I can set enough of my biases aside to read for myself in that manner. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't know that I want to do that. Yeah. I, I understand that. I don't, I don't use divination for... I don't use divination for really anything outside the realm of the religious for myself, very often. Um, I'm, even when I do a rune pull or something like that, so if I wanted to do uh, uh, find out what my rune of the day is or something, 
or something kind of like that, yeah, yeah. which I might sometimes do. Um, I might take a, a rune reading in the early morning. Um, what I will typically do with that is I will say, well, this is my outlook for the day. It doesn't tell me what my day is going to look like. And I don't, I don't do divination typically for, you know, what is my day job? What's my mundane job going to, to do for me today? Or, or what do I need to look at there? It's really for me very much about the religious work. Yeah, see, I've definitely done it for like more mundane things, like um, when I was job interviewing. I mean, yeah. doing divination, like, should I take this job or not? But even that, I don't like to do that myself. I like to ask one of the one of the seers that I trust and ask them to do it. So yeah, I often will if if I if I have a question like that, I will seek out another skilled diviner because like you, I don't it's not that I don't trust myself not to be able to read. But I also know that those biases are gonna show up. Right. Um and I I go back and forth on whether or not I tell the person that I've sought out what it is I'm looking for. Like, you get better and clearer answers if you actually tell your your seer verbally what it is you're looking for. You're going to get better answers. You are. But um, sometimes, especially if it's a really personal question and all the seers that I trust are really close to me, like, I might not want them to know that. Yeah. Um, but I still want the divination done. And so occasionally I, I won't um, give them the background. Yeah, I think the, the key thing with working with someone else who is a diviner of sorts uh, is not to shut down on them. Right. Sometimes people will will go to a, a reader and they'll, they'll, they'll shut down as a way of seeing how good they are, and I don't think that's helpful. I don't think so either. Um, I think if you're going to a diviner, you you want answers, right? And yeah. part of that with divination being communication, the the seer might see something and then want to check in with you. Yeah. And and get your input on what they said and then they will seek again and then they'll check in with you because it's a conversation. And so if they're the conduit for that information, um you don't just have a conversation with someone by them telling you you should think about thing X and do thing B and whatever, and if you don't respond to that, you're not going to get any more information. Right. <laughs> and so, that, that I think that's one of the key things with, with personal divination. I think that when we do public divination, it's it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it's a very... I know when I see for rituals versus see for, like, a person... It's a very different feel. Yeah. Like, I'm not even entirely sure how to describe the difference in that feel, but it's very different. Yeah, and one of the other things, too, with, with public divination is that you don't have the luxury of showing everybody what you've pulled. Right. And so you, you often have to be very clear and, and vocal about what it is you pulled. Now, I don't like to... Now, I don't like to um, say what it is that I've pulled, what the... Yeah, I don't, the I don't often give the symbol that I've pulled when I've done it in public ritual. But I, I am 
explicit enough in what the meaning is that if someone knows their meanings well, they'll be able to pick up on exactly what it is that I pulled. Right. Well, and I think a lot of that comes down to, especially in the kind of prevailing belief in our grove is that the seer sees what the seer sees. Right, there's and, no questioning of what the seer sees. Right, and so if the seer gives a symbol, like if they name the symbol and then give the meaning, someone else may have a different, like, may have different nuances yeah. for that symbol, and but that's not what the seer saw. Right, and I mean, we do check. So we sit down after every rite and we say, you know, what is it that you saw? Okay, here are the, the runes that you pulled or the element that you pulled. Here are the meanings of those. And sometimes we find out that the rune or the oem or whatever that they saw is not the same. Right, they'll, the they'll, have, they'll have, like, thought they saw a different symbol yep. or they'll have mixed up the names. Um, and especially when that's from a very practiced seer. Yeah. Um, it's very telling because they clearly saw something else. Um, and that's what the meaning was, but a lot of times it's influenced by the meaning that the symbol actually was. Right, and the 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 most commonly that's something like Fehu and Ansus, which have uh, which both look like F's. Except one points up, one, one points, points up, one points out, and uh, Fehu has horns. I, I, I won't tell you my mnemonic for that. <laughs> <laughs> Email me if you want that yeah. mnemonic. Um, and. Uh, and so it's not uncommon for something like that to get mixed up. Um, I, it is uncommon, but it's not unprecedented for that to happen. Um, and so we're able to take that information and layer it on. Mm-hmm. And understanding what the seer saw and then understanding what the rune itself was gives you an even deeper level of understanding about what it is that you're looking at and what you've experienced in that ritual um, and what those blessings really were. Yeah, well, and one of the other big differences in public ritual is that the um, the conversation surrounding the omen is between the seer and the spirits mm-hmm. as opposed to between the spirits and the seer and the other person and the seer and the spirits. And, and it, yeah. it's not the same kind of conversation. A... a reading in a ritual is going to be much more structured and formal most of the time than a reading for a person, which is very organic and very much a conversation. Yeah. So there's a lot of differences between those, those personal and those public readings. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the way that I like to look at stuff is think about divination not as a way to look at the future. Think about it as a, a window into the past that gives you clarity on where you can go. Right. And that is is really the, the way that I prefer to experience it gives you a little divination. bit of preemptive hindsight. It does and it doesn't make you feel like you're locked into something. Right. Which none of these divination methods ever lock you in. It's not fate. You're not fated to do a thing. Yeah. You gotta go talk to a Norn for that. <laughs> and even <laughs> then seek a second opinion. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah. That's what the that's what that works out for. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. 
Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about Druidry at ADF.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.